Galatians chapter number two, we're going through the book of Galatians. This is the fifth message in our series. And we see in Galatians the matter of finding freedom. I've got wonderful news for you on this Lord's Day from the book of Galatians. In fact, Jesus Christ is the Lord of liberty. He's the Lord of freedom. And I want to tell you what that means for you today. Well, actually, I want to tell you what Jesus wants to tell you that it means today. In John chapter 8 and verse 36, Jesus said, If the Son makes you free, you're free. You're free indeed. Jesus came to set prisoners free. He came to liberate those who are in bondage. And that includes the bondage of sin. That includes the bondage of religion. That includes whatever that is trapping you. Remember, Jesus asked the question in Mark 8, what would it benefit you? What would it profit a man if he could gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And many are bound with just the matter of trying to acquire what they think they deserve or what they think they could have in this life. Remember, we do not primarily make the the most important decisions when we're making decisions concerning our body. Our body is is what we focus on, is what we see, is what we tend to to notice. And so we decide what we're going to wear, how we're going to look, what we're going to eat, what we're going to do. But the greatest decision we'll ever make has an effect upon our soul. What are we going to do with Jesus Christ? And until we get that figured out, many are in bondage. And he's writing, Paul is writing the book of Galatians, and he's trying to help them understand that there is liberty. There's freedom and how you can find freedom. There are people who come to this United States of America to find freedom. There are those that are in communistic and socialistic countries. And they come here to discover what we've been enjoying for practically all of our lives. If you're like me, it's the only place you've lived and you know freedom. There's even greater freedom that is found in Jesus Christ because here we have freedom that's given to us that our bodies can enjoy, but God has freedom that you can experience for here and for all of eternity. In Galatians, we saw that there were those people called Judaizers that slipped into the church. A Judaizer was a person that said, according to Acts 15, remember that Jerusalem council, Acts chapter 15, which we didn't go to, but I said, if you're going to understand Galatians 2, especially verses 1 through 10, you have to understand Acts 15. We will get there at another message, but the Judaizer said that unless you take the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you're circumcised according to the customs of Moses' law, you really are not saved. In other words, the Judaizers were trying to lead church members back into bondage. Church members who had found Christ and found liberty, they're taking them right back into bondage. And so Paul was acting, as we mentioned last week, as God's freedom fighter. And he's responding by directing God's people, go back to the gospel that you found. Now all through chapter 1, he talks about the gospel. In fact, the word gospel is found in every chapter of the book of Galatians. But in chapter number 2 and verse 5, he talks about the truth 
of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. See, the gospel is good news. What's good news? Well, it's the good news that you're a sinner. You say, that's bad news. Well, you got to understand the good news or bad news before you can get to the good news. The bad news is we're sinners, we're guilty before a holy God, we're under the judgment of God, but the good news is He wants to pardon, He wants to forgive, He wants to cleanse by His grace on the basis of His death and His burial and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, not by any works that we have done. Boy, that's a mouthful. Now, these Judaizers were saying, Yes, listen to that message of the gospel. But the Judaizers said, but there's something missing. It's called the law of Moses. And the Judaizers were trying to add to that salvation. Oh, it's Jesus and only Jesus. But listen, whenever you start adding something to Jesus, you have heresy. When you start adding something to Jesus for salvation, that's not the gospel. And that's what he dealt with in chapter 1. This is not the gospel when you add something. It's not good news whenever you make it fake news and you say it's Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus and it's only Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not spelled D-O. It's spelled D-O-N-E. Religion of the world says, here are things you have to do. The good news of Jesus says, He already did it all. He did it all. See, it's not based upon what you do, that is salvation in Christ. It's based upon what He's done. There's nothing like a little bit of what what we would call legalism here that Paul's dealing with that is adding something to salvation. There's nothing like a little bit of legalism, Jesus plus something. There's nothing like adding to Jesus that will take the joy out of a person's life. Only Christianity has the songs of joy that we experience. I've been to other countries. I've been to Mongolia. I've been to Spain. I've been to Fiji. I've experienced other religions. And there you don't find joy. When you're having to do to get eternal life. Why? Because you never know if you've done enough. Do you know that no religion, no religion, no religion can ever guarantee that you have eternal life and forgiveness of all your sins? None. Even those who will sacrifice their life They do it in hopes that when they take their last breath, they will enter into their utopia of eternity. What if you're wrong? 
Many a man in, a, in another country in this country, when I ask, are you 100% sure if you died right now that you would go to heaven? I hope so. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Why? Because if you're not depending upon Jesus and only Jesus, you'll never have, you cannot have the guarantee that you have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Why? Because you will never know if you've done enough. The one who made you knows that. The first people that he created, Adam and Eve, he created, put them in a perfect environment. And Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. Listen, you choose to sin, but you do not choose the consequences with your sin. They sinned. It separated them from God. They tried to cover themselves. God stepped in. He killed a lamb and he clothed them, teaching them. You're covering yourself. You putting on your own religious garments. You doing your own set of works and systems. It's not going to cut it with your creator. And God taught them through the killing of a little lamb and the shedding of blood. In fact, the first promise in all the Bible, the first promise is Genesis 3 and verse 15, where God promised that a little lamb called Jesus Christ would one day come into this world to take away the sins of the entire world if those within the world would call upon him. For 4,000 years, those who wanted to have God's forgiveness, they would look forward to the cross. They would look forward to that Messiah coming. And they would take and they would sacrifice, recognizing the sacrifice on an altar, a lamb would not take away their sin, but only God could take away their sin. But they would look forward for 4,000 years. They're looking forward to the Messiah that would come. Jesus Christ did come. In fact, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus Christ, he said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And for three years, Jesus Christ, he preached and he taught that people could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus Christ was not captured. Jesus Christ was not murdered accidentally by somebody else overthrowing him. The Bible says that Jesus came and he laid his life down. Why? Because he loved you. They took Jesus, they pulled his beard out of his face, they beat him in the face, and they took a cat of nine tails, a whip with leather strands, and, and interwoven in those leather strands would be pieces of bone and metal and glass, and they'd bring that whip across the, the bare back of Jesus, and that, that whip with nine leather strands would, would attach to his body, and they'd pull that off, and they would tear ribbons of flesh off of his body and they would beat him and they would beat him and many a man under that kind of 
torture, would die. But Jesus Christ, he was the son of God. He came so that he could be our sacrifice. And he was tortured and he was humiliated. They put a crown of thorns into his brow. Not thorns on a rose bush, but those thorns were many times six inches long. And they were thrust into the tender part of his head. And fresh blood would flow down the Lamb of God's face. He was beaten and he was tortured and he was humiliated and he was taken to the cross and on his way to the cross he stumbled under the weight of that cross beam and a man came and helped him. Jesus Christ, he was fully God, but Jesus Christ was fully man. And Jesus Christ, he experienced and he endured exactly the same kind of pain and the same kind of hurt and the same kind of heaviness in his heart. And they brought Jesus and they laid him down. And as the Bible describes, Jesus willingly laid his life down. And he laid down upon a cross and stretched out his hands. And the Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 8, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he stretched out his hands and they took railroad size spike and they would put it into his hand and drive it in. Then they would reach to the other side and they would stretch out his hands and they would put another spike into his hand and they would overlap his feet and drive us spike into his feet and they lifted that cross high and they dropped it into a hole and when that thud would hit his body was hanging by those nails but he was not kept on the cross by those nails he was kept on the cross by his love for you and for me and while he was there he looked out upon the crowd the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. I believe the battlement of heaven was filled with many an angel who looked over and said, wait for it. When he calls, we'll go. We'll set our king free. When he calls, we'll bring him back home. He doesn't deserve and Jesus' lips began to move. And the angels were ready. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. The songwriter wrote, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and to set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels but he died alone for you and for me. One of the last things Jesus said on the cross under immense agony, for you have to understand in order for Jesus to breathe, he had to push himself up to gain oxygen into his lungs. He's pushing off the spike that is driven through his feet and he's pulling himself up. His body is beaten so badly, Isaiah said, if you looked at him, you would not have been able to have even discerned whether or not he was a man. 
And yet he would pull himself up and he'd take a gulp of air and he would droop back down, hanging by those searing pain through his hands and feet. And one of the last words he said was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are you aware that the only time Jesus ever referred to his father as God was on the cross? If you go through your Bibles, you'll find Jesus talk to his father saying, Father, do this. Father, would you do that? But on the cross, he cried, my God, my God. Why? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he, Jesus, knew no sin, but he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Years ago, I was reading, I like Civil War history. I like history, and I just like that time frame of the, of the 1860s because of the impact of the turn of our country. And, and we'd read about many deserters. And those, and, and I understand, it was a gruesome war. But many would flee and, and run from that kind of a, a fight. And, and then if they were captured, so many of those deserters on, from the north and south, they would be shot in front of a firing squad. I was reading on one occasion where a man stepped up to be executed. And another man who came along, he was older. And he said, how old is this young man about to be executed? They said, he's 14. This older man said, I've lived most of my life. He still has a life in front of him. Can I take his place? He said, who would want to take his place? Are you his father? He said, no. I'm just a friend. And they let the older man trade places with the young 14-year-old. And he was executed. The Bible says Jesus Christ is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he stepped into the firing squad of Satan for your sin and mine. He never said a bad word. He never had a bad thought. He never did a bad deed. He never sinned. He didn't deserve to die. He chose to take our place. You see, God is a holy God, meaning that God can't sin. God can't look at sin. God can't let us get away with sin. No one can ever get into God's heaven with sin. And the only way that, that sin can be dealt with is by having the, the right kind of substitute. And the only substitute that would satisfy a holy God is a holy substitute. 
One that is sinless. And Jesus Christ is the only one that would be qualified. And he stepped in and the Bible says he literally became sin for us. And when our sin, your sin and my sin was placed upon Jesus Christ, the Father looked down according to Isaiah 53 and he looked down and Jesus was bruised and he was beaten and he was Suffering for my sin. And the Bible tells us that God being a holy God for the first time in the history of time turned his back on his only son because of our sin. And the Bible tells us the entire world went pitch dark. See, God couldn't look at His only begotten Son because of our sin. And God didn't want the world looking upon Him either. And Jesus cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus didn't worry about going to the cross because of what He would suffer from the torture. When Jesus prayed in the garden before he went to the cross, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And the Bible says that sweat was pouring from his brow. He was under such intense agony that the capillaries in his, in his brow would burst and, and blood mingled with sweat came down his face under such intense agony. Father, if it be possible, let this cup, let this pass from me. He wasn't talking about the pain of the whip or the searing agony of the spikes or the thorns. He was saying if it be possible that we don't have to be separated. Jesus took our sin and was separated from his father for the first time. So you and I don't ever have to be separated from him. And then the final time he spoke to his father on the cross, he cried, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Jesus is saying, I, Jesus, he was saying, I paid a debt you could not pay. And I paid it all. I paid it all. I paid off our vehicle on a couple of occasions, different vehicles. When I paid off that final payment, I didn't desire to keep paying on it. Jesus has paid it all for you to have eternal life, forgiveness of sins. Why would you want to try to add anything to it? Salvation, Romans 6, 23, it's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Meaning, you can't earn it. If you could earn it, you could say, I know I'm going to heaven because look at what I've done. I've kept the Ten Commandments. I'm pretty good. I haven't killed anybody lately. And 
I'm not doing that bad. I'm pretty good. And, and, and that's a little bit of boasting in what we're doing. No, I, I believe Jesus and no, it's not Jesus and. It was only Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid the sin debt and he is offering to us the gift of God. At Christmas, I get a gift. On your birthday, you get a gift. Most of the time, and it's been this way all of my life, I've never received a gift that said, here's how much you owe me. Because if I ever have to pay even a dollar for the gift, it's no longer a gift. Sometimes you'll see the infomercial. We'd like to send you a free gift. We just want you to cover the shipping, $19.95. What shipping is $19.95? It's not a gift. How do I get that gift? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's an accident that were to happen. And you've seen, you've seen an accident and you've witnessed something happen. And not too long ago, my wife and I were riding up to Gainesville to see her grandfather on his birthday. And, and we pulled up and, and it just an accident right before us happened where a, a car pulled out in front of another. And the impact was so hard, it flipped the car over right there at the intersection. And, and, and the first thing we did was call 911. When we call 911, we don't say in reply to the question, 911, what's your emergency? Never have I called 911 and said, here's what happened, and I've got my credit card to pay. I'm just calling 911 because we need help. And we have to wait some time, and sometimes it's longer than what we like to wait for help to show up. I'll tell you this, when a person recognizes sin is my problem, separation from God is the consequence, but Jesus is the gift and the answer, and you call upon Jesus and you say, help. I need a relationship. It doesn't take five minutes. It doesn't even take five seconds. You say, how long does it take? It takes a moment. The moment you call is, is not nearly as fast as the moment he does the saving. His name was Blondine. I, I, I would love to have seen this happen. I've only seen pictures. Blondine was a famous tightrope walker from France. Years ago, he was at the Niagara Falls and he would dazzle the crowd with all kinds of feats. And, and he would take this cable and stretch it from one side of the Niagara Falls to the other. And he had no safety net, no harness then. Every time I see these things on TV where they're saying somebody's going to walk across the Niagara Falls or somebody's going to jump the Grand Canyon and uh, they really build it up. I'm telling you, they have all of these safety features put into place. They do. They, they always do. And I think... No, long gone are the days of Blondine. And there was no safety net. He had no harness. And that cable that was stretched would sway some 20 feet, 20 feet back and forth. And he'd walk out there, Blondine, and he would go out there on that cable without a safety net 
or harness and he would dazzle the crowd going back and forth and he'd do all kinds of things as the crowd would grow. On one occasion, he took a little stovetop oven, oven and he went out there balancing himself and the oven and he, and he got out there and he actually made himself an omelet. He ate the omelet and he laid down on this cable as it swayed, balancing himself and the oven. It's incredible. And I've seen the pictures of it. But on one occasion, Blondine recognizing I got to do something bigger and better. He asked the crowd that was looking, how many believe that I, Blondine, can carry a man in a wheelbarrow from one side of the Niagara Falls to the other? How many? The crowd raised their hand. I do. Yes, I believe. And Blondine pointed at one man and said, you, sir, get in the wheelbarrow. And that man whose hand was raised recognized Blondine's finger was pointing at him. So what did he do? He pulled his hand out of the air and he bolted the opposite direction. That's what he did. Why? Because he understood Blondine could. But he was not willing to put his dependence upon Blondine too. You can understand every fact about the gospel. You can understand that Jesus came. You can understand that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. And you can understand Jesus is the only way of salvation. But until you get into the wheelbarrow yourself and put your faith and your trust and your dependence only upon Jesus, you cannot experience the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Religion says you want salvation just do the best you can. Jesus says you'll never do enough. But Jesus did do enough. And all you have to do is take Jesus to be your Savior. How? By faith. Lord, I understand you are who you say you are. Jesus was not just a good man. Good men do not claim to be God unless they are. Jesus either has to be God or he's the greatest liar and imposter who ever lived. Jesus said, I am. And every Jew knew he was claiming to be God. He didn't just claim to be God. He said, I am. That's who I am. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. Jesus didn't say, all roads lead to God, as long as you're sincere. Jesus said, John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You say, well, that's pretty narrow-minded. Yeah, that's how you're going to miss hell and meet Jesus. You say, well, I, I believe, preacher, that as long as you're sincere, it doesn't really matter what you believe. Why don't you try that stepping off the top of the Empire State Building? 
And you just be sincere about the fact that the fall's not bad, but it's the impact that makes the difference. And you be sincere about it, and maybe it won't be so bad for you. No, sincerity is not the key. Jesus is. You say, well, if that's what the Bible really says, no, that is what the Bible really says, then that means that any other religion isn't going to save. That's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus says. I'll take Jesus at his word. Do you know that you'll either meet God now and humble yourself and take the gift of eternal life or you'll reject him and you'll meet him in eternity. Don't wait. Most people miss God. Most miss God by delaying. I'm not ready today. Not ready today. Not today. But most people die not with their pajamas on. Most people don't die the way they think they're going to die. In other words, most people die unexpectedly. Proverbs 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. You don't know what the day is going to bring. You have no guarantee that you will live to see tomorrow. You have no guarantee. But you do have this guarantee by God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning and you you don't want to settle with religion, I wouldn't settle with religion. If religion was what we needed, Jesus would not have come. And you say, I want a real relationship with Jesus you can have him today would you bow your heads with me